Welcome, Pathfinders, to the Find the Path podcast, a after party number nine. Uh, how's everybody doing? Technically, uh, be two and after party. Oh my gosh, who cares? <laughs> Don't be nitpicky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have to listen to you people. Anyway, so do these other people out there. Sure. Yeah, and they like us as opposed to you, apparently. Well, if they force themselves through 25 episodes. So yeah, this after party covers episodes 25, 26, and 27. So starting at episode 25, we ran straight into combat. Yeah, that sucked. The Dread Skeleton Cinemark. I don't think his name was actually Cinemark. His name is not uh, actually Cinemark. Yeah, Rick told us his name, and it's, it's like, his name's like Cinemark. Yeah, and it's really close to Cinemark. He loves a good movie. From there, we continued our way through into the catacombs, filled with the uh, stuff. Words. Yes. Sarcophagi. And then that horrible, stupid... And I got scared. Yeah. I hated that thing. I don't think I've ever fought one of those before. If we have, I don't remember it being this awful. You had fought a coffer corpse, which is a creature that we had had all run through previously, although Heather has not actually played that. But yes, there are the... uh, the jack-in-the-boxes. They like to play dead. Possums? Possums, Possums will, yeah. Possums. But possums don't jump up. They play dead, so you leave them alone. Yeah, that's true. They're the um, fainting goats of the undead world. No. <laughs> <laughs> that episode ended with us finding that secret, that little tiny secret room. Which yeah, had sure. two potions. <laughs> yeah, that was basically the end of episode 25. Going into episode 26, you guys had found a little bit of healing. Uh, better than nothing. Uh, following this, once you guys had patched yourself together a little bit, you had pressed on forward into the the largest of the chambers that you'd experienced so far, wherein you had found the Scorched Hand, confronting them in what seemed to be, a, I, I felt, a fairly difficult battle. I th- we actually did pretty good in that fight, yeah. all things considered. I was on the ground. Well, I had no <laughs> magic. I, I literally had a domain spell. That was it. Yeah, Sagira spent most of that on the ground. Yeah, but I still think for the condition we were in, we, we did a pretty good job in that fight. Well, the domain uh, spell went to good use, too. <laughs> and then Veliana tragically lost her life. Is it tragic? I, um, I don't know. Was she, ever, was she actually evil? We have three questions, so we will get to them, <laughs> I guess, in a moment. You then all did finish the fight against the Scorch Hand. Veliana dying, although Kelru, Azaz, and Adori all managing to survive. Then at the beginning of the following episode, episode 27, you had a chance to talk with Kelru, get a little bit of their backstory and, and motivations and all the rest of that, and then had continued her exploration back into the library where you had found the hidden 13th shelf containing both the proclamation from Dejerdit II as well as what effectively amounts to a Rosetta Stone. So now all of you can learn Ancient Osiriani. Nope, not me. I'm on Onuris would have taught you guys. We, you guys just had to be a certain level before you could learn it, right? Well, not specifically. Huh. The problem is, is Onuris can't teach someone the entirety of Ancient Osiriani in three days. Oh, that's true. This magical tablet, tablet however, <laughs> can impart that knowledge much faster. This proclamation that you found, though, then discussed how it was... The Pharaoh entrusting his advisor here with a certain item, which I believe you guys have inferred is probably the mask that seems to have been stolen, as well as a brief discussion pertaining towards hiding his uh, scandal. So, you know, it's yes. some ancient scandal cover up. He had an ancient fixer. You then all made your way back out um, through the city, 
with a new kind of silence or tension. Uh, yeah, I'm not fun. surprised, you know, it felt like something was amiss. Maybe it was just all in your heads. Yeah. I'm not going to lie, and this is kind of a weird... I, my mind immediately went to that, like, animal lying in wait, ready to pounce kind of thing, and all I could picture was uh, the clever girl scene from Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. Basically, yes. well, It's like I- all of you are walking out, it's just like, everything seems too quiet, and then the raptor head comes out of the alleyway next to you. Well, uh, the ancient raptor. evil necromatic artifact has been taken out of its secure place and walked through a part of the city that's filled with undead. Anyway, you managed to navigate your way back through the dead city without being torn apart by undead or running into anything like that, making your way back to the living city of Wati. I believe leaving off with all of you deciding to go find Falto. Yeah. Apparently he's a mummy now. Well, we don't know that. We're just checking on him. I told him to go to the temple and try to get healing. So going back to episode 25, though, I know you guys had some questions pertaining towards the skeletal champion who did a number on at least half of the party. Well, he had that scary magic spear. Yeah. I'm just kind of curious. There's a plus one spear. Yeah. So you want to know a little bit more about Cinemaric. Cinemark, okay, gotcha. Yeah, he's a skeletal champion named Cinemaric, occupies the time. Cinemaric was raised from childhood in the sanctum of the Erudite Eye and became a temple guard as an adult, rising through the ranks to become the commander of the guard. Like all the sanctum's guards, Cinemaric received some clerical training, although his focus was actually on martial disciplines. He swore his life to the temple, and so dedicated was he that he asked to be allowed to continue serving Nethys even after death. To that end, when he died, the high priest of the Sanctum animated Cinemaric as a skeletal champion, transforming the loyal guard into an undying defender. When last the Sanctum's priest fell to the plague of madness and the site was abandoned, only Cinemaric remained, the last guardian of a forgotten temple. Sad. There's a really interesting thing that it it literally states that, yeah, he spent so long guarding this Sanctum with no change whatsoever, period, to everything that happened here that he was so caught off guard when people showed up. He didn't even try to actually stop them because he couldn't register what was happening. And kind of came back here to sit down and pray for a little while and then finally went, oh right, I'm supposed to kill everyone. (laughs) (laughs) It's a large part of it that's kind of confuses him where it's just like, oh, they're priests here again. Oh God. (laughs) But no, he was rocking that spear. He had a... He had a lot of things I couldn't actually put to as much. Did he have I class levels? Yeah, he was a uh, cleric one, fighter three. Mm, that explains Skeletal why he champion. was hitting he was, us uh, so hard. He had a spear, he had channel smite, he had power attack, so he was combining all of those together. He had combat reflexes, so if that was actually going to come into play, that would have been a lot more useful to him. Because he has the the magic domain, if you decide to stay at range, he can actually use Hand of the Mage to throw his spear, stab people with it, and then return it back to him. <laughs> oh. uh, he has the destruction domain from Nethys, so he was go- doing a destructive smite with half of his stabs, adding extra damage on that way. He even had a step up and a standstill for when he managed to get, like, you know, everything off. It's- but we cornered him. Yeah, you guys cornered him really fast. <laughs> and uh, this party... There's always that thing where damage reduction versus bludgeoning is usually a really powerful damage reduction because most people are using swords or arrows or axes. So the fact that this party had a brawler and a fighter, or a monk, then... I'm actually planning on having on yours pick up a mace or something, because we've run into a lot of skeletons We're into a lot of skeletons. So So he'll have his Kopesh, and he has a crossbow now. A a lot of the parties that I've heard that have had problems with Cinemeric is because they just... Can't get through his damage reduction. Yeah, you, you just have to have the bludgeoning weapons, and so that drags it out. And worst case scenario, he can just convert 
his first level spells to inflict spells and heal himself. Yeah. Uh, as well as channeling negative energy. So that's true. Yeah. Sounds like he had a slight obsession, though. You gotta be a little mentally unstable to be like, I want to become the undead to guard this place forever. Well, there there is that, but you have to think, you know, not only is it a little bit of a religious zealotry, but it's also the fact that he was raised from childhood. It's all it's all he knew. You know, it's it's all he ever knew. Yeah. So. Yeah. I don't know. Besides him, I don't think I had really any questions about. What if the whole 25. party followed Nethus? Would he still attack us at that point, or would this have been a very different site? So, the site would have actually been very different if the entire party followed Nethus. What? Not even. Well, I mean, Adori didn't follow Nethus. So, what if like one of we had like a with. cleric or a wizard that followed Nethus? Was that enough to protect everyone? Because you're with the priests. Yeah, I mean, if the whole party follows Nethas, a couple of things happen differently. I mean, the Div still attacks you. Uh, most of the undead here still the attack you because they're just you. doing... Well, the fountain does some stuff for anyone. As long as it's they're a spellcaster. Yeah, 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 you have to be a spellcaster to gain any benefit from it, because all it does is increase the save DCs for your either your abjuration or your... Save DCs? Or is it caster level? Hold on. Plus one caster level and plus one bonus on the save DC for uh, the first spell that you cast from either Abjuration if you drink the top fountain or Evocation if you drink the bottom one. Cool. But if the entire party of followers of Nethus, first off, the statue won't attack you if you're bearing a holy symbol of Nethus. Oh, so that's what it was? Yeah, you just have to be bearing a holy symbol of Nethus. That's that's it. Dang it. Will the skeleton, will the Cinemark still attack you? He will just because At you that, are, yeah. well, you're not sanctioned to be down mm-hmm. there. So... He was kind of confused when he saw the first couple of people walk by, and he was like, what the heck is going on? There are people here again, and then stopped to pray to Nethus for a while, and then eventually came to the realization, I need to just kill them. <laughs> and was just kind of like collecting himself together when all of you opened up the door, and then he went, oh, no, oh, here they are. Now I'm going to stop somebody. It becomes a little bit more interesting when you're dealing with the Scorched Hand, because the book expressly states, if any of the PCs are devout worshippers of Nethys, Velryana and Kelru might negotiate, uh, although they're unlikely to willingly share in many of the Sanctum's secrets. It specifically states under Kelru that uh, if confronted by PCs who also worship Nethys, Kelru encourages them to abandon any non-Nethian comrades and join Velryana's company. <laughs> he argues that the pursuit of knowledge and service to Nethys is far more worthy goal than any misplaced loyalty such PCs may have towards their non-religious companions. If we were all followers of Nethys, then it gets weird. Yeah, then it would basically just break down to whether or not you're competing for the same sort of thing, but could potentially... There actually is a a means by which, depending on how the party approaches it, that you can sway everyone but Velryana. Velryana is unwilling to share whatsoever, even with other Nethys. Is she evil? Velryana is... What the F is up with Velryana? Lawful evil. Yeah, I figured. Weird. Yeah. While most of the members of the Scorch Hand are neutral and put forth a united, if slightly dysfunctional, front. Viliana is the villain of the group and the primary antagonist. She has made her peace with her choice of teammates and is willing to share the knowledge and treasures that they may discover with them as long as they work with her. When it comes to opposing the PCs, however, she won't think twice about killing them if they stand in her way. This holds true for any members of the Scorched Hand who might betray her. Viliana views the Sanctum of the Rudite Eye as the property of her company by divine right, and there is no line of which she will not cross the claim. And why does she think it's hers? I mean, what? she's not even from Osirian. That's the part that gets me. Do you want to delve a little bit into... Uh, yeah, I, I don't understand why this Taldane woman thinks she has a right to a temple built by 
pharaohs, because the pharaohs all used to worship, ne- mostly used to worship Nethys. It'd be different if she was Osiriani and thought she was descended from the pharaohs and everything, but that's just weird to me that she's like, this is my birthright. It's mine. I'm like, no, lady, it's really not. <laughs> so the long and short of it is... Villariana was born to the noble house Hypexus in the upper echelons of Taldane society, although they are actually minor aristocrats, but believed in the maxim that it's better to seize life by the throat than surrender willingly to obscurity. And when she came of age, she basically demanded her family send her to the Arcanarium in Absalom, where she could study the magical arts. There she began worshipping Nethys, whose tenets spoke to her on a personal level, because Nethys is all about the acclamation of personal power regardless of gender or background. And delving a little bit into Taldor, Taldor does have a very strict gender code in that only everything is passed down along the male line, only men are allowed to ascend to the throne, etc., etc. And so she was understandably uh, upset pertaining towards that. After she graduated from the Arcanarium, she became intrigued by the ancient history of Osirian and its early meteoric rise to power, but had already missed her chance to go with the initial wave of explorers from seven years ago that had gone and explored Osirian when the Ruby Prince first opened it. But she used her family's wealth and political connections and caught wind of a uh, rumor that another set of Osirian's tombs were soon to be open in the foreign explorers. Villariana immediately began researching Wati's history and in doing so made her acquaintance with the Osirian priest Kilru. By that time Osirian's tombs had been open for exploration for some time with the exception of the necropolis of Wati which remained closed due to local politics with the Temple of Phrasma. Villariana shared the rumor that the Ruby Prince intended to correct the oversight soon and suggested that Kelru work together. Kelru introduced her to Azaz and the three traveled to Sothis and there they discovered the existence of Wati's original temple of Nethys forgotten inside the necropolis and likely never explored. Really, her takeaway from it is she believes that Nethys directed her along these lines of discovery so that she could ascend to power. I think it's funny that she's going to come to power in a dead part of a city. Yeah, I, her <laughs> logic is a little uh, Again, skewed. a lot of it is the idea of personal power, that there's going to be something here that's going to make her the next Nex or Geb or she you know, Tarbafon. There was nothing like that here, even if we hadn't shown up. Well, the technically the mask missing. was here, but somebody beat her to it. Yeah, but... Yeah. But they still had... It, they didn't find that secret passage when they were walking... That secret door, though, when open, they were walking down so here. Like, like... So I guess to, to give you guys kind of a fun look at the dynamics behind the scenes... So she's crazy, is what I'm getting from Valeriana. Valeriana is obsessive. It does specifically state that she will catch even her own allies in any of her spells. She doesn't care. Mm -hmm. She doesn't care if any of them survive. She really, in the end, just wants the power for herself. She's just accepted that she might have to share it with some of them. Kelru, on the other hand, and you got this impression from talking to him, I imagine, is in fact just a, a very devout religious priest. Yeah, he's fine. And is interested in doing what he's doing. It's interesting because he, he's been kind of just taken in by Velriana and her ideals. This idea of it being their destiny to do this. Uh, Azaz is more or less just along for the ride, but it, it kind of implied that Azaz was always the, uh, the Ron to their Hermione and Harry. That he was just like, I'm not, I'm not as smart as this one. I'm not as like brave or capable as this one. I'm really just kind of here for a little bit of comic relief. And so he's the first one to take offense at everything because he wants to try to prove his worth to the rest of the party. And mechanically speaking, he's the lowest level. Yeah. Yeah. So he has the most to prove. I'm kind of glad she died because I think the negotiations after that would have gone way south if she was still alive. She wouldn't have made any kind of deal. I wouldn't have woken her up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think she would have stayed asleep. (laughs) Well, and even if we turned her over to the um, spire, she didn't have any 
goods from this place on her. So they would have just... We just put the goods on her. So... <laughs> we just plant some evidence, okay. sprinkle if, a little cocaine, and then walk away. Because I don't need her... We don't need her chasing us down. I'm neutral, actually, so that's exactly within my alignment. Thanks. We don't need her... We wouldn't have needed her chasing us down after they flip in, cut off her hand, and let her go. I'd actually argue that that action would be evil. That's fine. <laughs> I balance it out by being good sometimes. <laughs> Also, so, nothing is based on my life. I think it's easier for it. us in the long run that she died. I, <laughs> seriously. It's better for the world at, at, at large. <laughs> and then episode 27 of... was more just wrap yeah. up hook. And as stated, in addition to finding the proclamation, you also found the Tablet of Languages Lost, which again is kind of an analog for the Rosetta Stone. And for those of you who aren't as, uh, as big of ancient Egyptian history buffs as we are. Uh, the Rosetta Stone was a, a part of a stella that was found, had a, had three different languages on it, and up until that point, no one was really able to read ancient Egyptian. And so once it was found, people were able to translate it into one of the langu- other languages that was known, and thereby... It was uh, Greek, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was Greek. Oh, I thought it was... I think there were three languages on it, though, just like yeah. this yeah. one. I thought one of them was Greek, and I can't remember what the other one was. It was probably the oldest Egyptian hieroglyphs, and then Greek, and then either Coptic or... I can't remember who found it. I want to say it was... Was it Napoleon when they were... I think it was Napoleon. Yeah, when they were going through... When he was doing his whole conquest through Egypt thing. I feel like it was. If it wasn't him, maybe it was like... It was some other guy that wanted to be a dictator. <laughs> so, I hope it was Napoleon. <laughs> <laughs> Let's yeah, it was see. it was ancient Egyptian and Greek, ancient yeah. Greek. Nice, cool. But yeah, anyway, that's kind of cool. Because I know you. Are you um, we it were... was actually found by a soldier named Pierre Francois Bouchard, but during the Napoleonic oh, yeah. campaign. Yeah. French. Yeah. Yeah. So found during the Napoleonic campaign. So makes sense. Thank but, you, Napoleon. Because. Now everybody's fourth level, and now we have this, so everybody else can learn it. Because the only way to have it beforehand was to take the background trait I right. took. So, yeah, Sagira's not gonna. Sagira's gonna hang out with her two languages. That she's doing it, but for different yeah. And then we found more plot hook with the proclamation. Yes, yeah. did find out a little bit more from the proclamation. Uh, there's almost a little bit of an assumption that, that the party is thoroughly searching the upper floor before they descend. Mm-hmm. And so that they would find this before they actually go down and therefore be able to make the connection between this and the, the missing mask well, instead of the reverse. We were so focused on finding the hand before they did something ridiculous, so... And they weren't even going to take anything. It would have been 100% fine. Yeah, Valeriana would have left this place with absolutely nothing. If You know, like if we had decided yeah. we have to go rest before catching up to them, she literally know. would have found absolutely nothing, which is kind of sad and hilarious at the same time. I mean, I'm sure they felt like they found great stuff because they learned some things. She, but well, I mean, she learned some stuff, but none of that is going to be her gateway to being the next Geb or no. next, you yeah. know? No. I don't know. I still want to know who Barefoot Man is. Me too. Well, you're going to have to wait. I know, but... See, and the next book's... Rick told us the next book is called Empty Graves. And it's by Crystal Frazier. Well, and Kelru told us, no, we killed those jackals. We didn't raise them. Yeah. Yeah, so, so it's the, something to do with that mask, raising yeah. those jackals, and the next book's called Empty Graves. There's going to be a crap ton of undead. That mask is going to start doing all sorts of crazy undead junk. everywhere. I mean, it, it was like overwhelming necromantic <laughs> yeah. stuff. So yeah. That's, yeah. It's, There's going to be undead be. everywhere, is my guess, I guess, is the Sweet. best way to say that. Yeah. <laughs> you were directly informed by Pharaoh Jirdat II to, uh, or they were informed, quote, do not attempt its destruction, do not be tempted by its powers. <laughs> So it's the one ring. <laughs> yep. 
Yeah, I mean, basically. And they handed it off to the Temple of Nethys, like, you know, here you go. But that was the faith that was the most trusted, so... A bunch of the fa- old pharaohs used to worship Nethys. Like, they, we talked about before, they believed Nethys was the first pharaoh of Osirion. Right, yeah. So the church was really powerful, and the pharaoh was friends with the high priest here, so he gave it to one of his trusted advisors and counselors and said, hide this. There, There is a an interesting... And this, this is something potential your characters, some of those of you who have high ranks in knowledge religion, might be aware of. There is an interesting belief with Nethys that he was not given the title pharaoh, but that Nethys was the was a mortal man who led the people of Osirian during the Age of Darkness. So before even the foundation of the, the land of Osirian, and protected everyone during the thousand years of darkness following Earthfall. Also, he's real good with secrets. Yeah, and that was the Nethys is really good with secrets, and you had found transcribed on the walls of the tomb of the founder of this temple, the quote that he was, uh, quote, a wise counselor, trusted keeper of secrets, and good friend of the pharaoh. So basically, the pharaoh somehow got this item, went, oh crap, and then handed over to his most trusted advisor and said, you don't tell anyone secrets, right? And he's like, heck, I don't even have people write down what I did in my life on my own tomb walls. (laughs) Also, like, like, it stayed hidden for a long time. Yes, 6,000 years. <laughs> like, they did a good job. That's why I'm wondering if, like, in Valeriana's research, like, she found something and didn't realize what she found, and then somebody was like, oh, like, they realized it, and so then they beat her to it. Who knows? Yeah, and there's there's always a fun kind of a meta-knowledge that I try to keep in mind anytime that I see an adventure, and you kind of look at it, and you're like, oh, okay, okay, it's convenient that rune lords are rising now. And this wish magic thing is not working now. And this other thing is not working now. And it's like, it's kind of convenient that two horrible things happen basically every year. Well, don't they have the thing where, like, when Arodin died and the prophecy broke, that all this stuff that's not supposed to happen is happening? Is happening now. Because before, everything was prophesized. And now that you're in the age of Lost Omens, which is the current age, the age that started in 4606, so 100 years ago, all of the prophecies are breaking. And so before, it was always prophesied as like, oh yes, Tarbathon will rise up and create a massive army and lay waste to this land for 600 years, but then a woman will rise from the south and march march up and confront him and then battle him back and seal away his evil forever. And it's like, okay, well that's great. And then it fulfills itself when Iomedes shows up. And everyone's like, okay, yeah, we knew that that was going to happen. The prophecies are fulfilled. But now it's all of you weren't ever prophesied to be the heroes. Once the campaign setting in the meta sense, once the campaign book hit all of our tables and we started getting these adventures, you are now the heroes, not the heroes that the world wanted, but the heroes that they deserve. (laughs) (laughs) You're Batman. So the, for me, it's always the idea that potentially when this place was, was set up, they may have even consulted prophecies and used divinations to see thousands of years into the future and gone, Oh, it will never be found. Yeah. This thing's supposed to be safe here literally forever. And then, then whatever happened to, yeah, whatever (laughs) happened to Arden broke prophecy forever. And then about a hundred years later. Sorry. I was just quoting Sandlot. Oh, forever. (laughs) (laughs) You're killing me smalls. Anyway. Oh, that's such a good movie. That's my, that's my favorite quote. You're killing me, Smalls. I need Come that on a shirt. I just need it. Just killing me, Smalls. I say that all the time. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so I think we've have the plot hook. Yeah. You you do know now. Actually, but I guess let me ask all of you. What do you know now? You know that there was 
the barefooted man. And we know that there's some pharaoh that did something so awful that he's called the forgotten pharaoh and he did something so bad the next pharaoh was like, no, 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 we're hiding all of this crap. Stripped his name from the records. <laughs> we know there's a silver chain cult thing happening. They are looking for something, probably that mask. Yeah, so some barefoot guy came in here, seemed to know exactly where he was going and what he was doing, took the mask and left, and what's, raised some undead jackals on the way out. What's interesting is he knew exactly where to go, but didn't know there were traps. Or didn't care. We have no idea. Or possessed no means by which to stop them. Yeah. Other right. than his own flesh. <laughs> yeah. It could have been that he was possessed somehow. Mm, like he was sent in. Like he could have just been like a normal commoner sent in to do this, and then he gets the mask. And he was a burly commoner. Well, the question is also possessed by what then? Yeah, by the mask. It somehow reached. Or another part of that guy's the another piece of the soul because it's true. There's still two pieces. Yeah. Well, I mean, one would be his physical body. Yes. Yeah. I was say. There's still another piece. Mm-hmm. Is uh. Ib, Kaba, Ib. So I think, I think the soul is Ka and Ba, and then Ib is the body? Something like that. Is that how that goes? Regardless, uh, it's, it's not the weirdest idea that something super powerful would reach out to a person and tap them to be, like, the doer of things. Yeah. Bear in mind, too, though, that it said it had a lot of necromatic aura, but it was also balanced out with something else. Like, it wasn't all bad. Well, and necromancy is not much like Nethys. Necromancy is not inherently evil. It's how you use it. The fact of the matter is, is the spell Disrupt Undead, which disrupts undead, also necromancy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So, I mean, it could be one of those things where this pharaoh came up and found this great artifact and used it for evil, but the thing itself is not necessarily evil. Sure, yeah. My my general assumption, though, is if everybody wants to forget that you ever existed, you probably weren't a good person. Well, no, I'm not saying that the the pharaoh was a good person, but I'm saying that this mask may not be an evil thing. It could just be like a neutral thing that was used for evil. It's like like medicine. Mm -hmm. It can save or poison you. (laughs) <laughs> oh, man, could be that, that uh, the Plague of Madness, nobody really knows how to start it, right? Mask. Yeah, I think we thought about that when yeah. we first yeah, found it, too. Yeah, leaking. So, There's also was... a lot of ghouls in that part of the city. Yeah. So, yeah, you're at the point now where you think that you know what the plot is, but... Well, that's always that's always the beauty of going into a any adventure path, is you will steadily get... It, it piecemeals out. You get bits and pieces of the plot, the plot, and you can eventually see... It's kind of like all of you are standing here right now, like an assortment of dwarves and a hobbit on a hill, and you can see Lonely Mountain, and that is your eventual goal, and you know about Smog, but you still have to go through everything else to get there, and so you're always moving towards that goal, but there are so many interruptions and other stories along the way. But yeah, so as a fun side note, I, I always love book twos. The second book, like, I, always, I do always enjoy the first book of an adventure path, but book two of an adventure path is always, is always usually something almost experimental and fun. And so, book two of Rise of the Rune Lords is still, like, hands down my favorite Adventure Path book. Is that the Skinsaw? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. I think it's called the Skinsaw Merge. Skinsaw Merge. It's called yeah. the Skinsaw Merge, yeah. yeah. Book two and all the stuff that I've been playing recently, book two of Carrying Crown has been one of my favorite uh, recent things that i played. Yeah, and it's always nice when you get the big hook for the PCs in the first book. Something to keep the party together well that's what i was actually thinking like you know last night it's like okay so we go turn all this stuff in but why are we still hanging around together because there's a great evil yeah and it is always nice when i always like when the hook is delivered early Mm -hmm. even when i can just foreshadow it like right now you have an idea of we know it's probably going to do something with this mask and this forgotten pharaoh dude but we don't know exactly what's going on with it yet i guess to use another literary example other than 
the, the Hobbit, everyone reading Harry Potter knows that Harry and Voldemort are going to have to go head to head eventually. Yeah. But it is everything getting to that point. And so I like it when an adventure path gives you that earlier. Uh, one of my few complaints with Rise of the Rune Lords is you don't usually get the name of the big bad for Rise until the end of book four. And so it's like at that point, you're two thirds of the way through the adventure path with this, this nameless enemy. Up until that, all you have to point to is the Sahedron. It works a lot better for me when you can start building up the eventual antagonist much earlier. One thing I also did want to, it will be my question for all of you for this, is what do you think about having rival adventuring groups? I've always found the concept interesting. Paizo introduced it way back in Dungeon Magazine with the Shackled City Adventure Path and then you know, brought it back. Yeah, and brought it back for subsequently the Age of Worms and other things. I've always conceptually liked the idea. It depends on how it's played off. If they're just your rivals, it's like, okay, we're trying to do the same stuff, but, you know, it's a race to who gets there first, and it can be kind of fun. But when it's somebody like Velariana, who's just such words I can't say because Rick bleeps out swear words. Um, if I was, if it carried on for longer than just this book, I get the feeling I'd be like, oh my god, I'm so tired of these people. <laughs> you know what I but, mean? But at the same time, you also had Kelru and Azaz and Adori, who were rivals. <laughs> It's true, but, but his ass was enemies. insufferable. Yeah. So his ass was just as bad as Valeriana. In a different way. Yeah. Like I, like I said, him. it depends on how they're characterized and how it come, how it's play, how the groups play off each other. If it's like a friendly rival, rivalry and kind of a contest, it's different than these people are just a bunch of jerks. I don't know. There's something really satisfying about when you have this group of jerks and then you really do just conquer them to the end and you're like, yeah, sh- sit down and shut up. We won. <laughs> yeah, but if it goes on too long, I think it can get frustrating. I'm kind of glad Valeriana's dead just because I I was getting to the point where I was just tired of her. <laughs> you know, I didn't want to have to deal with her in other books. So yeah, I also just kind of liked them because it was almost a, a dark reflection of whatever the party, whatever the heroes are. They were almost a reflection of your party. That they were three spellcasters and one non-spellcaster against three non-spellcasters and one caster. And arguably, you could you could make the art because you don't really know what they did for their other two sites. They basically showed up here, same as you did, joined the lottery the same as you did, went to two of their sites, just randomly determined for them, and then went to this last one. And you could you could almost make the argument that they were, if all of you died, it would make sense for them to continue the adventure path yeah. <laughs> because they find out about this missing thing and then they go, well, crap. And then keep going. They just had different motivations for you. Yeah, but, but Valeriana's motivation would have been to get the mask and use it for herself to become yes. the next, you know? <laughs> so yeah. the entire group to would have had to turn on the, her. Yeah. To go yeah. kill the Ruby Prince and become the Pharaoh and... You know, yeah, okay, lady from Taldor, you cannot be the next Pharaoh. <laughs> no one would know she'd have a mask on. <laughs> God. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man. So, but that was the end of book one. So in lieu of, since this was the end of book one, in lieu of doing answering questions and everything else, and we will, of course, get back to that following the Be What episode 30 at that point. This is, of course, us completing one-sixth of this adventure, uh, and it only took us 27 episodes. Take that. Take that, whoever is judging us. Yeah. (laughs) You. You never thought we'd get this done. You never thought we'd finish book one. No, but we have decided to... We have a lot of it, and I, I can actually say thank you to the uh, the thousands of people who are listening to us out there. And that is something I never thought I would get the chance to say. It's actually kind of almost intimidating sometimes. It's like, what? How many people are subscribing? <laughs> what? People are actually listening? Uh, so when, when cool. we started this out, we were hoping that 
this would connect with some people that some people out there would listen to. And we've gotten a lot of feedback from people, oftentimes very touching feedback from all of you about how, how this helps us, how you listen to us every week. And that is, that is mind blowing. And that is very touching for all of us. And I, I can speak for everyone, but I just say thank you for listening to us. And following this though, we have now reached a milestone. And not one of those arbitrary milestones. No, this is completing a book that I can finally stop having to carry this book with me here and start carrying another book with me for when we. You still carry things. the first book with you for the yeah, next I couple books in things. case you need it for a reference. <laughs> Don't even yeah. say you're not going to carry that book with you. <laughs> what was ever... Zaz's familiar's name? <laughs> Zazu. That's right. But because this is a milestone for us, we wanted to celebrate with all of you who give us motivation and a reason to do this. And so we decided that we are going to do a trivia contest. We are each going to ask a single question. This will be a question pertaining towards something from the first 27 episodes, mostly pertaining back towards the player's character. And the first five people to email us in the correct answers, not just any answers, the correct answers for these five questions will receive a gift, a, uh, a Paizo swag bag, if you will, for use in your own games as well as yeah, just fun things. Now unfortunately due to the price of shipping we cannot extend this offer to our international fans which we hate. However for the first three international fans that write in and get these get all five of the answers correct as well we will have a bonus purely digital content for you that we think that you'll enjoy as well so if you are international also feel free to submit uh just again unfortunately with the price of shipping we will not be able to send you a physical gift so yeah we're going to each ask a question you can then send it in we'll give our email again but of course you can also find our email Spat it off at the end of pretty much every episode. Uh, and on as, our website. And on our website under our contact section, our website being find-path. So I suppose I will start. Early on in our adventures, our party had a little bit of difficulty identifying some items. And so went to a friendly diviner in their local tavern. What was this diviner's name? Nice. Well, I don't know the answer to that. Questions That's I can't even answer. <laughs> <laughs> They're so obscure, we're not even capable of answering them. Okay, next question. Um, what is the name of the High Priestess at the Temple of Bastet? The High Priestess of the Temple of Bastet. Uh, so, Sudi has mentioned that he was adopted by a priest. Uh, what god did Sudi's uh, adopted father follow? There we go. Okay. As mentioned way back, uh, way back in the day. I think that was. I think that was. Like, that was the... like, maybe. <laughs> Well, I'm gonna cut out the exact episode. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that was back in the first ten, though. Yeah. Uh, this is probably another way back one. So, question number four is: uh, Where is Citra originally from? Like the city of her her birth, where she was raised. Yes. Yes. And then, uh, what is Onyris's given name? There you go. Like mm-hmm. Yeah. So that is. Uh, I just came up with a bonus question. Bonus question. You know what? Bonus, I'm gonna bonus, I'm gonna question, throw in a bonus slide. question. The first person that writes in with an answer to this bonus question will also get a thing. Get a get thing. A, we'll get a bonus thing in addition to what everyone else gets. Uh, what gang were Sudi and Sagira a part of? Oh, that's a good Ooh, one. That's a good one. Yeah. So there's a little bonus question there. 
So if you only know the answer to that, you can still get something. Yeah. <laughs> Even if you get the other ones wrong, the first person to write that one in, that will get something too. So yeah, and uh, we'll collect all of those together and we will contact you back if uh, you are within our first five and let you know if you're not, we'll still contact you back and thank you for that. Good so, luck. Uh, yeah. So email us the yeah, answers uh, to finalpathchannel at gmail.com. There's uh, also, we've got a P.O. box uh, that we've put up because we've had some requests for people wanting to uh, send us things. Also mind-blowing. Uh, yeah, Again, we love things. Completely mind-blowing. <laughs> like stuff. The uh, address for that P.O. box is 4475 Trinity Mills Road, number 703932, Dallas, Texas, 75287. So, uh, we have put this up on our website uh, under the Contact Us link. So, yeah, the people that will write in, we will uh, we will get you guys your items, ship them to us, will come from said P.O. box. So, uh, yeah, and with everything, we will include a, uh, a D20 as rolled by Rachel. Yes, oh, she, that great she is the luckiest of us. Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm a close second. I mean, Heather Heather was pretty lucky last episode. Yeah, we'll make a Heather roll some. So That's you true. might get a Heather or a Rachel. Maybe you can, like... Say which you one you want. I'll even I'll right. even roll them in my fancy <laughs> dice tray that I, mean, I don't that I don't actually use for mummy's mask because it's wood and it makes a but, lot of noise. But Heather's also paranoid; she doesn't touch other people's dice. Yeah, I mean, if you're okay with me rolling your dice before we send them to you, I will. But yeah, uh, I don't share dice. If we, we have a special bonus, the first person to get every single one of the questions wrong can get one rolled by me. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, you don't want that one. <laughs> the worst part is we might tell you you got it right when you get the package, and it's just like a single die. You're like, oh. it has a card from. Jordan that says, good luck, friend. <laughs> good luck, everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, if we don't have anything else this time, thank you for following us through book one. We are excited to do book two, and uh, hopefully you'll stick with us through book six. So, yeah, if there is nothing else, then, until next time, good luck, Pathfinders. Everybody lived through book one, guys. Yay. You sure did. I, I didn't think that was going to happen. I will solve that next time. No. <laughs> I like on You're yours. You're not one of those GMs, so stop pretending. On yours can't die till we know what the crap. <laughs> Then he can die, I guess. But I want to know what the heck is going on. On yours, you're dying. Please, spout your backstory. <laughs> Tell me. Tell me. <laughs> oh, my we, gosh. We speak with Jed just to ask you. Yeah. Like, now we have to know. Tell us. You're dead. You got nothing.